Okay, that that works. All right, good. Well, uh, let me see. We'll just uh, go ahead and pray here. This morning we're going to be looking at, um, we're beginning a series on the book of Jonah. So we're going to do a four-part series on Jonah. And so um, it should be fun. Each week we'll just do a new chapter. Uh, I've got this week. Brad will take next week. Uh, and then Jeff and I will finish up with the last two chapters there. But I think it should be a, a lot to learn here. We're just going to pray that God teaches us a bunch from Jonah. Jonah... I like to think of him as Jonah as the, the prophet with a bad attitude, you know. And so we're going to learn a lot about uh, how God deals with people who have bad attitudes. And uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about God in general, his character and, um, you know, his, his compassion and his love for us as well. So if you guys will, let's just bow our heads and we'll pray together. Um, anyone have a page number for Jonah, by the way? What is it? 916 in your house Bibles there. So um, you can flip there if you want, and I'll go ahead and pray just to ask God to meet us here. Lord Jesus, we do uh, just look to you this morning. We do ask that you would um, help us to learn from Jonah's example. Lord, help us to learn uh, how, you know, how we might in our lives be living like him, and, and help us to learn what your what your character is like and, and how you relate to, to people like Jonah. And God, I just pray that you would help us to come away with some things this morning that we might not have heard before, might not have thought about before. Pray that you use this series over the next several weeks just to, to teach us more about you and help us have a heart for the people that, that don't know you, that, that you communicate through this book of Jonah. And we just want to commit our time to you, ask you to meet us here, ask that you would bless. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's see. So is that battery getting replaced? Is that the deal? Good. All right. I'm gonna, this is a coordination effort here for me. I can play basketball, but I can't uh, hold a microphone and chew gum at the same time here. So we're going to read together Jonah. Um, let me see. Do we have the first slide up here? Just the opening. If can put, uh, maybe I can put that up. Oh, there, whoops, there we go. Let's back up a little bit. There we are. All right. There we go. Chapter 1, let's just read this together here. Jonah 1 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee. From the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. 
So they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. All right. There we go. Okay, testing, testing, we are back online, all right. Good, well, so that's a kind of interesting, interesting setup here. Um, you know, let's see, we'll look at a map real quick, kind of some of the, the territories that were being talked about here, real life places. Um, so Jonah, his hometown was, was over here, Gath-Hefer, and he was told to go over here to Nineveh, the Assyrian capital. A uh, long ways by land to the north and to the east, I believe there. And then uh, instead he went down to Joppa, hopped a boat, and was heading for Tarshish, which was known as a kind of an outpost on the kind of the edge of the known world at the time. But as you can tell, um, it was about as opposite a direction as you can go from where God wanted him to go. And, you know, I think God basically wanted him to go north, and he went south. God wanted him to go east, and he went west. And God's trip for him was to be kind of a, a land, overland trip, and he went by sea. And so it's just kind of a... Jonah... You know, he gives us an example here that we, we're going to look at. Um, let's see here. Jonah, the man who ran. We're going to look at... Um, some different lessons we can pull out of this. But the first one we're just going to come away with here is um, God's commands are to be obeyed. I think I left that Esther and apostrophe on your hand out there. But God's commands are meant to be obeyed. Um, God told Jonah to go to this city and, and he didn't. He um, it was supposed to be a prophet of God, a messenger from God and God gave him an assignment and he he didn't do it, and as a matter of fact, it's not that he just didn't do it, but he went in the opposite direction here. And, you know, there's some different lessons we can pull from this. I think one that would be easy to do is we all look at Jonah and we go, what a loser. And, and the lesson that we can pull out of this is, this is a great opportunity for each one of us to judge another person, right? That's the lesson this morning. How to judge others is our first application. Um, you know, and really that's, that's not the case. Unfortunately, as we look at this, I think we're going to find out there's some things about Jonah that are more true about you and I than we would probably want to acknowledge or than we might even know. And so um, we're going to look at, uh, God gave Jonah command, he ran from it. Let's see here. Um, 
You know, first thing I want to just let us know, when God gives commands, um, you know, He doesn't do them just random. God doesn't give mean commands. Hey, Jonah, this is going to be really hard. The city is a wicked city, and I want you, little old Jonah, to go to this city. They're probably going to kill you, but I love you, and I'm going to just send you to be killed, killed there, you know. Um, God's commands just aren't mean and hard. The reason God gave that command, and, and all of His commands are an overflow of Himself. They're an extension of what God wants. God knew this city was wicked. God knew that if something didn't happen, He would punish them. He would judge that entire city. And so He sent one of His messengers and said, Here, go, go to them for me before it's too late. God had a heart for those people, and that's why He commanded him to do it. Um, it was, wasn't just because He wanted to make Jonah's life miserable. Hey, He's a messenger of mine. Life's supposed to be hard till you get to heaven. Here's a good assignment for you. God's not like that. God had a heart for these people, and therefore He commanded that. And all of God's commands... Um, or an overflow of his heart. We need to look for that. The other thing is that God has to command things usually to us because they are not something that we would otherwise naturally do. You know, Jonah was like, I'm bored. What should I do? I should go to Nineveh. That would be a wild adventure. They need to hear what I've got to tell them. No, God commanded it because it probably wasn't going to happen otherwise. As a matter of fact, you know, Jonah didn't want to have anything to do with Nineveh. He knew they were not the people of God. He thought they should be punished. And so he headed out the opposite direction there. But um, we want to take, you know, this is a practical question each one of you, each one of us could ask ourselves. You know, the heart of the matter is that God wanted Jonah to do something. And he, he ran from it. He avoided it. But really, is there something that you know that God is wanting you to do that you're running from? Is there something that you know from God's Word that He wants you to do that you're avoiding? I want you to think about that. Maybe just briefly just pray, God, and reveal something to me. Another way to ask the same question is, not only did he not do what he was supposed to do, he was doing something else. He was headed the opposite direction as fast as he could go. Is there something that you're doing that God wants you to stop doing? It's not even close to what you're supposed to be doing, but it's it's the opposite. And you're going to have to stop before you can even do what he wants you to do. I encourage you, just take a moment to look through your life. Maybe there's something financially that you know you're doing, God wants you to stop doing. Or maybe there's something He wants you to start doing that you haven't been doing. Maybe there's something relationally. You know that God wants you to go and make peace in some relationship, an old friendship, something in your family, and you've been avoiding it. Maybe it's something sexually. Maybe there's some sexual sin in your life that you are sure God wants you to stop and you, you, you don't want to. You're running. You want to avoid Him more than you want to obey Him. What is it that's going on in your life that God might want you to stop doing? You know, one thing, uh, you can think about that, and there's some things I think my prayer is that God would speak to each one of us personally. But another thing that I know uh, related to this is there's a command that God has given all of His followers. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a command real similar to the one that Jonah got that is on the table for you today. And Jesus said to his disciples, similar, it has some similar words that even in Jonah's command, go and preach. And Jesus said to his followers, hey, here's the deal. I want you to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. You know, maybe there's a specific application. Is there someone you know God wants you to share the gospel with that you are avoiding? That you're just putting it off? You know, for me, I've, I've had an area like that that um, I feel like God's been trying to get my attention on. You know, I, I like to share the gospel with people on campus, with friends, with those that are, you know, um, 
kind of the, the normal people who you think maybe about sharing with. But I feel like God's been kind of putting on my heart the need to share with my grandmothers. I have several grandmothers that are in their 80s that are, um, you know, they're, they're getting along in life. And one of them I know is a diehard Catholic. One of them I don't know much about her. But when I engage with my grandmother who's really into the Catholic faith, there's been some tension. Back when I would share a little about Jesus and just trying to make sure. I know there's people in the Catholic faith that actually look to Jesus as their Savior. But I'm just trying to figure out if my grandma is one of them. But there, there just seemed to be some friction when I would engage there. And I'm kind of like... You know, it doesn't seem like the most glamorous crowd to... I'm going to go share the good news to my grandmothers, you know. Um, That's not what I thought God would have me do, but I feel like He's been putting that on my heart. And recently, one of my grandmothers has had some health issues. And so all the more I thought, you know, I better communicate with her before it's too late. I better find out more. And so I I wrote a letter, kind of a draft of some things I've been meaning to say to her. and it seemed like she was having some health issues, but she was getting better. And I thought, good, well, I'm going to get to engage and dialogue with her more. And I just found out yesterday that my grandma has uh, been placed in hospice care. They say that she has anywhere from several days to several weeks to live. And I think, God, I have been praying, God, give me an opportunity to share with her before it's too late. I've been praying maybe if she knows you as her Savior, you know, that you would make it known. But otherwise, give me an opportunity even... I might be heading out today or tomorrow, but I appreciate your prayers just that I might get an opportunity to share God's message um, of love and forgiveness with my grandmother if, if it would please Him. But, but is there someone God wants you to share with that you've been avoiding? Because that's a direct application of, of what He had for Jonah here. Um, another thing we're going to look at here is, there's some verses we'll draw out here, but when we disobey God... Um, as evidence in Jonah's life here, when you do, when you don't do what God wants you to do, He can have you found out. Jonah was trying to stow away on the ship. He went downstairs. He was hanging out in the basement. I don't know what you call the basement of a ship. Maybe the what do you call it? The, the galley, the goalie, the whatever it is, something down there. But he went down into the hole and he was went to sleep and. You know, in some ways, I think he was just trying to get away. He's like, I'm on, I'm headed out to the frontiers of the ocean here. I'm just going to disconnect and kind of hide from God. Um, but you know, one of the lessons we need to come away with it, again is um, God will eventually have you found out. I think I put in your notes that God can find you out. It's true. God can have you found out when you're disobeying Him. He can, he can do that. But I want to let you know a little more importantly, He will do that. He will have you found out. If God wants you to do something and you're not doing it, Jonah is a great example to us of what's going to happen. And, and, or if you're doing something that He wants you to stop doing, God can have you found out. And that needs to bring a fear, a, a very real fear. God is a God of love, but God also should be feared because if you're not obeying Him, He will, um, he will engage with you. He sent a storm. And I think about these poor sailors. Jonah's fleeing and he sends this storm. Jonah's asleep and these guys are getting their world rocked upstairs on the deck, you know. Um, And it says, you know, then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots and find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, the lot fell on Jonah. This terrified them, you know, as they were talking to him. What have you done? And that's a question I think the Lord might have for us today. Maybe he, he wants to speak into your life and ask you, what have you done that you need to come clean of? You know. He knows. 
But the thing you need to fear is that He can make that known to others if you don't bring it forth yourself, you know. And um, Jonah, the storm was there and uh, he didn't even know. But So I want to ask you a question. What's going on in your life right now? Are you aware of any storms going on in your life right now? Crazy things going on, hard things, challenging things. Are you aware of any storms? And if so, I encourage you to take some time to stop and go, what might be at the root of this storm? Maybe the storm is just refining and God's wanting to refine your character in life, but maybe there's a storm going on in your life because you're not obeying God. Um, what storms? Do you notice any storms? Raise your hands. Or, no, you don't have to raise your hands. But answer this question to yourself. Do you notice any storms going on in your life? And the other question, if you say yes, check it out. Investigate. See what the cause might be. But if you say, no, I don't notice any storms going on, guess what? Neither did Jonah. Jonah's sin was causing a storm in the lives of other people and he didn't have a clue. Maybe you need to check around and see if your sin, your life, is causing storms in those around you. It's affecting other people who are innocent of your sin. Maybe you need to ask your roommates, am I causing a storm? Maybe you need to ask your parents, am I causing a storm in your life that I'm clueless to? But see, a storm was part of how he got found out. They're just trying to figure out how in the world is this storm? What's it going on? It wasn't in the forecast. Kathy Sabin didn't say anything about a storm today. Um, but that's what got them thinking. And so then eventually they, they try to do as best they can do. They decide, hey, let's draw straws. We'll find out who's at the bottom of this. Okay, short straw, you're the one. You know, so they start, you know, people start drawing straws. Everyone's doing good. You know, it's kind of the, old, the scene where they're like, oh, phew, my straw's longer than yours. You know, and then eventually they get it to Jonah. And Jonah gets the short straw. And they say, Jonah, what have you done? God can find you out through drawing straws. Isn't that about the dumbest thing ever? God can find you out a number of different ways, folks. Jonah got found out by drawing straws. And, you know, I think that really we need to know that God will eventually find you out. Sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm dealing with God. I've got the sin area. Me and God, we're working through it. Well, Jonah knew he had sin going on, and God knew he had sin. That wasn't the problem. He just wasn't being honest with others around him. And he got found out. But really, there's two ways you can go about it here, folks. Um, the action step here would be either you humble yourself, you get honest with God and, and others, you confess to God, God, I'm not obeying you in this, help. And, or you might even share with people. Maybe you're, you're sharing with God and it's not changed. Maybe it's time to ask people, help. This is what's going on in my life. And before God exposes it, let me volunteer it. Because you can bring it forth on your terms and you humble yourself and God gives grace to the humble or else God will do it for you. And that's not as fun as Jonah's seeing here. God, God he, uh, he rocked Jonah's world. He got his attention. He wasn't forthcoming about it in, until things started getting shaken up and rougher and rougher. And I just encourage you, you've got two options here, folks. Whatever's going on in your life, either humble yourself and come forward with it and you'll, meet, you'll be met with God's grace. He gives grace to the humble. Or else God will bring you down to Chinatown and He will humble you. And it's not going to be fun that way. But it will be very real. And it might put the fear of God into other people. And so, um, this second lesson here, God will eventually have you found out. Humble yourself or God will do it for you. Next lesson we're going to look at here. Um, it relates to this. God is able to make 
a broken situation work out for good. I think your blank is broken. God can take a mess and He can work it out for good. Um, some of the verses here, um, and they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him. You know, can you just imagine, I think, what's going on here? You know, one of the first things I want to draw out is that God, God can make it work out for good. I'm talking about not any old God. I'm not talking about some God of some pagan religion or make up your own sort of God. I'm talking about the God of the Bible. He's known as the Sovereign Lord. God can weave some things together for good uh, that no one else can do. In no other way. Not the devil, not his demons. God can do things that no one else in creation can do. And, um, you know, it took these sailors a little while to figure it out. What, what did they do? At first, the sailors cried out to their gods. Gods, you know, with a little G, help us. And what happened? Nothing. No response. And then they decide, well, okay, that's not working. We probably never thought it was anyways, because these aren't real gods that we're calling out to. But let's do a man-made attempt. Let's throw our cargo overboard. They threw their cargo overboard. And did that? What happened then? It got worse. And then they asked Jonah, Jonah, what should we do? And Jonah says, really, here's the deal. Here's the God-given solution. Throw me overboard and it'll all stop. And what does it say? I love the verse there. It says, instead, they rowed even harder. They tried to do their efforts even more. Instead of the God-given solution, they tried on their own even harder. And eventually, what did they do? They called out to the Lord. The one true God, the living God, the sovereign Lord who could actually do something about it. And He did. You know, are you looking into other gods? Are you looking into man-made efforts? You know, what, what do you call out to when, a time, when, it, when it's getting rough? Because they called on all sorts of things. Eventually they called on the Lord, the God who could help them. And, you know, there's a verse in Romans, um, let's see here, Romans 10.13, but it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the one true God, the Lord, the, the maker of heaven and earth, He will meet you there. He will save you. He will help you. Um, and that's kind of the action step. First you've got to realize he, He's the only way. You know, and it's amazing just to see to what extremes people will go before they finally go, oh, I guess I've got to consider the God of the Bible. And Jesus even. Huh? But what will they do? They'll cry out. They'll throw things overboard. They'll work even harder. And eventually, it's like, I guess it's come to this. God, the God of the Bible. And we need to realize that He's the only one that can work this out. You know, sometimes we have to be careful in thinking that God can take a broken situation and work it out for good. Occasionally we're tempted to think, look, I make a mess, God fixes messes. You know, I do dumb things and God saves people. Well, you know, we don't want to confuse the issues here. God fixed a broken situation for these sailors. It was a mess. There was a storm. Things were not going good and he fixed it for them. But he punished Jonah. He disciplined Jonah in a very serious way. So you can think, oh, I'll mess things up and God will fix it. Yeah, you can do that and he will. But he will discipline you along the way in a way that you might not think about doing that again. And so we just want to make sure God can fix a mess. If you just think about this whole thing, Jonah's running from God, he's disobeying God. Um, these people, they lose their cargo, their ship's about to get destroyed. And by the time it's done, they throw them overboard, and God ended up saving a whole boatload of people. You know, that's pretty awesome. These pagans, these heathens that didn't care anything about God, by the time the dust settled here, 
God turned them into worshipers. And they made vows to Him. They basically said, hey, this is the one true God. We're going to serve Him the rest of our lives. God took these pagans, heathens, you know, and made them God-fearing, God-worshipping followers of, of the one true God. And that's awesome. But, you know, if you've made a mess, maybe you have a mess going on, you need to know God can turn that mess into something amazing. If you would just be humble, start off by being humble there. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me is that Jonah, Jonah said, here's the solution. Look, if I go into the sea, this storm stops. You know, so I think there's two ways that could happen. You throw me overboard, or Jonah goes, hey, look, I made this mess. I just jump overboard and get in the sea. But did Jonah jump on his own? No, he's like, here's the deal. If I go into the sea, it'll stop. But I don't want to go into the sea, so you're going to have to throw me overboard. And finally they throw him overboard and it stopped. But Jonah had not had a change of heart yet. Jonah was still being stubborn. And he got tossed overboard. He didn't volunteer. Like, okay, I made this mess. I'll walk the plank. Sorry, guys. No, he, he had not shown signs of repentance yet. But God was gracious to those other people because they called out to him in the middle of their trouble. God would be gracious to us if we'd be humble enough to call out to him. Um, the last point we want to look at here is, is this one here. You know, I thought you might put in your blank. You could either put God can provide a miracle to meet our needs or you could put in God can provide a whale to meet our needs. If you want to put that, I don't know. Uh, I'd go with the miracle, actually. Um, but this last verse of the chapter, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Um, you know, God can do miraculous things to meet our needs. One of the things we have to think about here, though, is to you, what do you think the, the account of Jonah is? Do you think it's a made-up story? Do you think it really happened? Do you think it's a good allegory of things that God can do? Or do you think it's a historical account of a prophet who actually lives and oh yeah, I forgot to tell you it was around 760 B.C. that this all played out roughly but some people go ah, it's just a story it's just for lessons you pull your lessons out of it it never really happened what do you think? do you think it happened? do you think God could have commanded a whale or some big fish of some sort to go pick this guy up and hold on to him for a couple days and spit him out do you think God could really do that? I do. I really think it happened like this. I don't know what the fish was or what type. I don't know how much room he had or you know what the deal was. But I believe it happened like God said it did. You know, I, I would even go so far as to guess that the whale took him up the coast further north and spit him out closer to Nineveh than he started. I bet you that. That's how gracious God is. I, I think he would have done that. We'll find out when we get there. Maybe he went further south and made it harder on him. I don't know. But I bet you he ended up closer after his whale ride. Um, but so, so do you believe does this really happen like this or not? You know, oh, the Bible's just full of a bunch of stories. Well, I'll tell you, I believe this, and I know your pastors believe this, and leaders in this church believe that it really played out like this. So you know what's even more important than that? Jesus believed this actually happened. You know that? And you can turn to um, Matthew eleven thirty nine in your Bible here. We'll just look at real, Jesus actually included this story as a strong point for a, a case that he was making about the resurrection, about what he was going to do. And he refers to this in um, Matthew twelve thirty nine through 41. Let me see here. Did I include that? Um, I'll just read this. Matthew twelve thirty nine through 41. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it's just a make-believe story. Well, here's what Jesus 
They said, Teacher, we demand to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Now one greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus took this story that some say, yeah, maybe it's just a good story. And he said, hey, you know, that actually happened. And those guys repented. And they're going to judge you for not repenting. And he said, by the way, he was in the whale for three days. And just like he was in the whale, I'm going to be in the belly of the earth. And he was alluding to his death and his resurrection. I think it's true. Do you think it's true? Really, who cares? Because Jesus, Jesus thought it was true. Jesus knew it was. He referred to it. He knew that God can do miracles. You know, one of the definitions of miracle, I was reading this book, you know, it's talking about just trying to see God do more miracles. But they define a miracle like this. Um, this is Bruce Wilkinson, and he says, um, It's an extraordinary, extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Do you believe God that can do extraordinary events of divine intervention in human affairs, in the human affairs, in, in the creation here. So I, I believe he can. And I think Jesus lived a life of miracles to show, hey, look, God can do things that wouldn't otherwise happen. And but really one of the reasons why I say that, you know, so they're unexpected, a whale, you know, God provided and he provided, you think, a lifeboat. You know, God provided a lifeboat. It was really cool. God provided a whale. It was unique. It was amazing. It was, I think, supernatural. You know, it's hard to figure out all the things that would have had to happen. How to have oxygen, how to survive acid, you know, eating at your skin. Um, But it was a miracle that God provided there. And... You know, and I think we, we need to realize that uh, that that miracle, God does miraculous things to meet our needs. Um, and we're going to just close with one one thing to think on here is that, you know, when it comes to uh, Jonah, he sinned against God, he disobeyed. The rest of the story, we'll see how it plays out. But Jonah is really a picture of, of us. You know, the Bible says each one of us has sinned against God. And we've got a punishment that's coming for that. And, uh, you know, Jonah had some things dealing with the whale and all the, the things related to that. Brad will talk a little bit more about being digested by a whale next week. But, um, but he had some problems and consequences because of his sin. But God says of all of us, you know, um, he's called us to, to love him with all our heart. He's called, called us to live for him. And all of us have disobeyed the command to love him with all that we've got. And it says... When you disobey an eternal God, when you break His eternal laws, there comes with that an eternal consequences. And, and we've all earned that by our sin. But the good news is that God has provided a solution for us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and God had an arrangement that this broken situation where an innocent man, His Son, was fully man and fully God, the situation got so broken that the people at the time decided to kill this innocent man and, and murdered him on a cross. You know, sometimes we think about the cross as being this, you know, if you're a Christian, a cross is a really cool thing. People have crosses they wear or get tattoos of crosses. But, you know, the modern day cross would be the electric chair. You know, God provided a solution through the electric chair. Who goes to the electric chair? Good, innocent people? No, it's... A, Murderers 
Who, who gets uh, poisonous injections to be killed? Murderers, thieves, people that are, have been punished and sentenced to death. Who gets the gas chamber? Somehow we've come to think that the cross is this beautiful thing when really it was a, a picture of shame. And it was this unique, and it was this strange setup, but God was able to, through a unique, amazing, supernatural situation, a broken situation, He was able to bring good from it. And that good was that everyone who looked to, to Him, here's a picture I'll put here, um, but this is just something to think about here. Is, um, it's a picture from the Passion of the Christ. It's not in great detail, but the idea is that God took this thing that was broken, something that should not have been, and He made good come out of that. He provided a solution for my sin and for yours through His Son taking our sin on the cross. And if you would believe that, if you would look to Jesus as your solution for your sin, it says He will give you eternal life. You will not perish. You know, John 3.16 summarizes that For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him or looks to Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God's made a supernatural arrangement that you can be rescued from your sin problem. And it's through, through His Son. And maybe you've been looking to other things. Maybe you've got other gods. Or maybe you, you, know, you just don't believe in God in general. Or maybe who knows what it is. But you'll find out in the end, this is the only solution that God has provided for our sin problem. My hope is that you come to that conclusion sooner than later, before it's too late. Because one day... Says his son will return, and every knee on heaven and earth will bow before him. Every one of us is going to bow. Of every language, of every country, they will bow before Jesus Christ. Except the people will be bowing for two different reasons. Some some will be bowing before their Savior, the one who they believed in, who has come back for them. And others will be bowing for the one they rejected, the one they did not believe. I, he didn't do that for me. I got another way. And it will be too late when we try to make that case before God because He said, this is the way. My Son is the way to eternal life, to forgiveness. And our hope at the Firehouse Church is just that every one of you, we're so glad you've joined us. If you're a guest, I hope you join us for the next couple weeks. But our hope is that you would understand more about how much God loves you. That He would have this done to His Son so that it would not have to be done to you. And that, that is the good news. And, the, you know, and one thing, one command that we're all... We'll back up here that we're all to believe here. But Jesus said, one of the very first commands He said was, Hey, look, you need to repent. Turn from your sins and believe the good news. Now, if you've come to believe the good news, He says, Go, take that good news to the whole world. But if you haven't come to believe the good news yet, one of Jesus' first messages was, Hey, He said, The time is near. It's coming close here, the end of things. But turn. Turn from your sins and believe the good news that I died on the cross for you. And have eternal life. And, and that's our message here at the firehouse. Really, it's just a message of how God wants to rescue each one of us. He rescued Jonah by sending the whale. The whale got there before uh, Jonah cried out to God for help. Jesus got there before any one of us has cried out for help. You know, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died long before we ever had a change of heart. But He still loves each one of us. He's willing to forgive each one of us. My hope is that maybe today you would look to Him. And I encourage you, you know, if you've got a friend that's invited you here, you might ask them more about this. How do I place my trust in Jesus? How do I look to Him as my Savior? And I know you have friends that will help you. I'd be glad to discuss more, more with you about that. But I'm hoping that every one of you responds to the good news that God loves you. God's done everything that's needed 
so that you could get right with Him and have a new life and eternal life. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just thank You so much. Just thank You for um, what You did for each one of us. Thank You that You did take on our sin as God. You could take on our sin in an eternal way, in a way that no one else could. And, and yet as man, You could experience death like, like God wouldn't be required to. And we just thank You that You made a way if we look to You. It's a unique, an amazing, uh, supernatural solution. But You say that if we look to You, that that is the way that will get us eternal life. It will get us right with You. Lord, I just pray You'd help us to, to believe that. Help us to take this good news like you, you commanded. You commanded us, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, to everyone, everywhere. Help us, Lord, to get this good news out to anyone you give us opportunity to, to anyone you put on our heart, to anyone who's on your heart. We just ask for this together this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you uh, next Sunday for uh, Jonah chapter 2.